Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey kids, Jesse Katz coming at you from the Chord Club today for Billboard's Soul Sisters podcast, where I am still manning the mics alone while Dara is on tour. But honestly, today's guest could host this one herself. She has played a radio host, in fact, and pretty much every other kind of wacky character you can imagine, including Celine Dion, which she tells us a lot about, uh, which was amazing, unprompted. She's also a singer in real life, which should come as no surprise considering some of her most famous sketches, but it's a side of her that a lot of us don't really know, even after seeing her in our living rooms every Saturday night for years. Okay, enough teasing. Let's get to today's episode with the very talented, very funny, and very musical Anna Gasteyer. Hi, this is Anna Gasteyer. And I'm Jesse Katz. And you're listening to Soul Sisters for Billboard. It was almost too animated. It was. was. (laughs) I feel good about it. Good. Thank you for indulging me. A minor shout out Uh (laughs) to a little NPR joy. Exactly. Are you an NPR listener? Oh, yeah, totally. That's, I mean, everything I've parodied, I love. Right. (laughs) I just do it so I could. the best place to come from, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, uh, maybe with the grand exception of Celine Dion, I I, I love her voice. (laughs) I mean, I actually, I have to say, like, since I started, when I really started, like, properly training and working like when I sang Alphaba and Wicked when yeah. I worked on Broadway like she is a crazy open belter her uh-huh. actual tone is nuts but she's I cannot stand her music and find it amusing that other people <laughs> like it you never had a moment <laughs> with never and you know I, and it's such a mean thing to say I don't mean it it's no, I, I, just vocally like I you. say like vocally she's bananas yeah. like I, I think I would you know I think it's just I think honestly a lot of it is coming from um the translation issue with her from, uh, from when I started parodying her because I'm not sure that she's when I was in uh, so I went to I went to music school for a year and then I fled uh-huh. and went into I, I fell down this like comedy rabbit hole because I went to school in Chicago yes, and da, 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 da. which we're gonna get totally yeah. into and um but I was you know in proper I went to like voice as a voice major and um you know they teach you one of the weird things when you're like in this opera track is they make you take all of the foreign languages but you have to take them completely phonetically so you don't actually learn italian but you learn the phonetic alphabet so you can read italian uh, okay and pronounce it proper, properly properly they don't it. even bother to like explain the roots or anything right. it's literally like this it's pronunciation class and you do it in german and italian and french that's like how a lot of people learn hebrew so they can read it but they have no idea what they're saying right and so Celine Dion you know sang that way for a long Uh time and she truly like I met her because I went to Madison Square Garden she was so gracious like had me on really when you were on SNL when I was portraying her (laughs) 
she so she had a sense of humor about it i'm not sure she did i don't think she spoke english in fact i know that she didn't because she it's like a famous story that i've told before but like shout again she had me on they had the team team celine had me come to madison square garden like there's so many things that happened when i was on snl that are so like out of body that i (laughs) i didn't really process until i'm telling the story later Uh and then i'm i'm like it's like Zelig or something like it doesn't really it didn't really happen to me you know but anyway so she had me come um it was just me and Mark Lepus the publicist for SNL and um you know it's Madison Square Garden and it's packed because the thing is we did that sketch at like the moment in time when that Titanic song was everywhere oh my god and I guess songs are still doing that but I feel like like I will always love you had that moment and the yep. Whitney version and yep. you know like there were these moments where you're like I cannot escape this ballad yes <laughs> like, and so that that uh that pan flute you know my heart will go on song which again is just like sung so be- unbelievably soaringly but again like just that weird like my heart will <laughs> go on like just like I'm reading these words I don't know what they mean, but I know there's a vowel and I'm going to sound good on this vowel, you know? So anyway, so I, I, they had me come and they did this, what we call in the comedy world, a sneaker upper where, um, they had me enter and then her like catch me from behind on her uh, elevated secret (laughs) elevator that was coming in behind me. Uh So I was dressed completely like her. I was in a, um, crazy, uh, it was like a, she the costume was a lady tux which i still want to emulate in my own life it was a one <laughs> yeah, those piece, are very in now i know it was a one piece uh, lady tux with a breakaway skirt whoa girl oh, so man. she like when she got funky the skirt came off <laughs> right so <laughs> so i had this uh and they had me dressed exactly like her but like six sizes bigger because she's tiny yeah and um and I was wearing her funky, and, and all I remember is that the cummerbund went from your pubic bone to just below your ribs. It was like a <laughs> massive lady cummerbund. Yeah. And so I came out, you know, and I, every, everybody amazingly like knew the impression. And then she caught me, and I, th- I think I started singing, and I did like a lot of like, sacre bleu, you know, whatever, <laughs> and ran away. And then afterwards, she, you know, because the whole time she was, when she addressed me, she would just look at Renee her late husband and he would and manager and uh-huh. he would do the talking and she would look at him because she didn't speak English at all. Wow. I had so, no idea. I mean, she may by now, I'm sure she does, but yeah. it was, you know, 15 years ago, right. but it was like, uh, it was really like a, a non-English speaker. And then at the very end she goes, it is so funny because, uh, your voice is so, um, horrible to ear. <laughs> oh my God. So I think she thought you like, likewise sister. Yeah. Like she thought the <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And you don't understand the words. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but so, so she funny. she thought the bit was that I was a bad singer. Right. Which was fantastic because the whole bit was that she was a narcissist anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, you yeah. know, that totally, like, totally. And yeah. So anyway, whatever. God, that's so great. It was fantastic. So when you were doing all these musical kind of characters on SNL, was that yeah. born out of them knowing that you had this whole music background and wanting it, to make the most of it? No, it's straight up me. Like yeah. I mean, would, any person in sketch comedy, I mean, because we wrote our own material for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, you're you're so desperate to just you just grab from whatever your personal toolkit yeah. is um, as many, you know, moves as you possibly can, because it just decorates this this show better. I mean, um, this the, the work for right. sure. Yeah, for okay. sure. And I, I think I just used it, used it. I didn't think of myself really as a singer because when I left voice, like uh-huh. I really, you know, again, like I was a clap. My, my parents wanted me to be a classical singer. So it was like. 
I secretly longed to, you know, do anything but classical music, but I didn't really know how to do that. So I I left and then I just sort of used it as funny. Yeah. All right. So let's rewind then back to those days. Were your parents musicians? Is that why they wanted that for you? Yeah, they were, you know, my mother actually was a, um, a legit singer and she was spo- she got a scholarship to Eastman School of Music to be an operatic singer. She wow. has terrible stage fright, and she's an, she's actually a fine artist, so she didn't go. Okay. Um, and uh, I think so they probably had, and there's a lot of singers in the family. So there was like a lot of aspiration placed on me, I would say. Uh-huh. Um, but I was mostly a violinist. That's what I did for years and years and years. Okay. Um, against How did the violin happen? I don't know. <laughs> Stuck in your hands yeah, at a young age. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well put. Um, and then, you know, and then just a lot of like, well, they say you have good tone. You know, so I hated it. But uh-huh. I do think that violin singularly is great for singers. I think yeah. it, it tunes your ear really well. And um, again, like I've kind of revisited things <laughs> all under the lovely veneer of wine as I've gotten <laughs> older. And it's funny. I mean, it's a little sad theme, but I... Um, because my show is so boozy but that but, but <laughs> the, the violin a couple years ago I was um I was working on this television show Suburgatory out in LA mm-hmm. and um and I I love violin shtick I think it's there's a lot of sort of vaudevillian you know old old school in my sh- in my show and um because as a performer I think I'm just drawn to fun music and fun ridiculous songs I call it ridiculous jazz my album because uh-huh. it's it's um it's buoyant and it's amusing and it's lyrically driven and it's improvisational. It's fun, right? Yeah. And um, you feel like everyone should be kind of buzzed in the room. Yeah, like in my like perfect world, like I would love it if people would be dancing and drinking while I sing. Exactly. I mean, I, I was, it's the wrong, I was born in the wrong era. It was, I want to, you know, I wish people would dress up and come in their party clothes. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, when we, we did this video for the mint julep song that I did and, um, Yorma Taconi from the Lonely Island directed it, but it, we, we like everybody came and wore their party clothes and I was like, this is it. This is like <laughs> what I actually wish I could do all the time, but yeah. nobody does that anymore. So, no. um, anyway, so th- I had been, really curious about trying to integrate the violin but I only have sort of a again like the voice like this very sort of strict earnest you know tortoiseshell glasses wearing you know right but there's a great American comedy history around um, terrible violin playing you know yeah Jack Benny and Henny Youngman and all you know all these great like great 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 old sticky comics and uh-huh. really really funny and so um, I think I was just sort of continuing to be drawn to that and I was in LA doing suburgatory and I was uh, not able to get back because of a bunch of the winter storms and Sandy there were like three in a row and um, I go a little crazy when I'm in LA and I'm not working because mm. my children are here and so it's one thing to be there and working so um my friend who houses me finds the violin amusing and he goes off to work every day and he was like why don't you go get a violin so I did I drove to a place and I rented a violin and then he he, he had to work late a bunch of nights and so I was just practicing play, practicing like for 12 hours a day like Whoa. for the first time out of 15 years or something 20 years you it know? almost sounds like a nervous breakdown a little bit except <laughs> then like I swear to God, and it, this is where the booze comes in, uh-huh. but I would go down to Trader Joe's and I, I would get Mama a nice bottle of Shard and I would crack open the bottle of Shard and I would start to fiddle and it was so unbelievably fun. It was like something broke free inside of me. Yeah. And I know it was probably just the wine, but it was this like amazing, like I just started to have fun with it. Yeah. And, um, and then I pronounced, then I, I took some lessons with a legit 
there's this amazing woman, Megan Gould. She plays with all these Aramaic bands, and she's like an incredible improvisational bluegrass, all of it. Out there in L.A.? No, she's here in okay. New York. And um, my guitar player, Rich Faraday, was like, you should, you should, you should work with her because she will like unhinge you from your anal retentive <laughs> like childhood violin you know yeah and um and that's what her whole bag is is like improvisation and you know playing jazz violin basically which i'm terrible at but but it is so fun to just integrate it the tiniest bit yeah. and um do you play it on the album i don't play on the album but okay. i play live oh you do okay. yeah i mean mostly the gag is how terrible i am because okay. <laughs> it's a great way to get away with not practicing uh-huh. but um it's so fun and so i like i did i went on this kick you know and i was practicing all the time and you know That's playing awesome. when i grow too old to dream like all these old like nat king cole songs whatever uh-huh. and um you reclaimed it i reclaimed it and then i announced to my family that we were going to go to um uh swing swing dance and uh like country western swing camp and they, it, you've never <laughs> been greeted with a more a, 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 just a wall of sadness i mean where was that they're, they're like all over they're these groovy <laughs> okay. like i mean it's it's i'm gonna i might do it for myself when i turn 50 because it's the uh-huh. kind of thing there's like clogging <laughs> i think there's like clogging moonshine and fiddling i mean it basically sounds like heaven yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's funny because you want to come i would come my dad is in a string band has always been my whole life and mm. i remember once they came to my school and i was in fifth grade to play a square dance for the students. Fantastic. I was so fucking mortified. Yeah, yeah. It was the worst day of my life. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I wish I, I could have appreciated that. No, I know. It's one of those things that just falls into the category of like, it's like quilting and like yeah. vistas. Like I talk about that in my show. Like there's a lot of stuff that just kicks in after 40 vistas. that you're like, let's stop and look at the vista. Like <laughs> your children are like, fuck you. Get back it's in the tree. car. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine anything more boring than this mountain. Um, um, look, it's nature's paintbrush. <laughs> but I think that all bluegrass kind of falls into that category. Yeah, totally. But, you know, but I was super raised on it too because again, I grew up in um, I grew up in Washington D.C. So uh-huh. weirdly, for how much like D.C. proper? Yeah, D.C. proper. Okay. But for, first of all, <laughs> the public radio station uh-huh. in Washington D.C. I don't know if it's still the case. All it plays in its non-news programming is bluegrass music. So it's like it's incessantly on. Yeah. I mean, you're you're just constantly like you know. You're, you're just deluged uh-huh. and part of it was I grew up you know in the 70s so it was sort of like after the Pete Seeger you know mm-hmm. uh, eclipse but um, yeah so, where's your family from like uh, they're they're midwestern okay. and then they moved to DC and raised me but yeah so so I think that I have a lot of bluegrass um, yeah uh, trauma but also slash passion <laughs> like you said <laughs> so I'm gonna go to swing dance camp for myself do it Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
<laughs> so um, you went to music school? Yeah. So when I, did that happen? That So I, I after high school, yeah. I, was a, when I, I went to Northwestern as a music major. Okay. Like I sang my way in to Northwestern. Okay. But like with an Italian art song, God help me. And then, um, and that's when it all <laughs> sort of imploded on itself. I really wanted to be a theater major, but I didn't know how to say that. And like say that to your family yeah, to yourself all of the above yeah yeah I think and also like double down in terms of the um theater like the sort of conventional theater musical theater kids are all in the midwest so like when when I showed up I mm-hmm. really it wasn't just like an arty eastern theater program it was like kids that were like working at Six Flags every summer and like auditioning for Disney and could all do a, do- a time step and there, there was like the clean cut like all the kids like the leads in the Book of Mormon like they were all <laughs> at Northwestern yeah. you know so it was very intimidating uh-huh. you know and I was this kind of like you know frizzy haired girl with embroidered jeans from the <laughs> East Coast <laughs> so <laughs> to paint the full picture uh-huh, uh-huh. so then how did the switch happen I just I did shows and um and I I, I think, you know, probably I didn't like my teacher is what it really came down to. Really? I think, I, I think Music teacher? Yeah, I think always, like, it's it, it comes down to as the professional in your life that's mentoring you. And I think I had uh-huh. kind of an old school, you know. Vocal teacher? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like leader song dud. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> what was the problem? I don't even remember. Okay. Um, and then there was, you know, I talk about it in my act, but, you know, there, there were a, a series of, of uh, disastrous, you know, music school encounters, you know, various and sundry, just phenomenally um, m- bad fit moments. And I also okay. wasn't disciplined. I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed by um, how, like, to this day, I can sight read, but I mean, I played the violin for like 14 years in orchestral level. And then was a music major and I'm still terrible at theory I never know what key I'm in like if someone goes what key do you like I'm like oh. <laughs> you know I have to it's embarrassing and I it's just like a a blind spot you yeah. know like I'm not I don't think I'm bad at it is uh-huh. I just have never properly f- focused okay because the problem is when you're a soprano and a first violinist and you have a decent ear you can fake anything and I was a big time fudger mm-hmm. my husband calls me a, a Gryffindor like in the Harry Potter speak uh-huh. he's like you're such a Gryffindor it's like what does mean he's like talented and lucky <laughs> and well yeah lazy. that's the magic combo yeah I mean yeah. it is kind of I'm, I'm I was lazy about it so you know now like with more of that like the Broadway readings you have to like really read and focus yeah. and I, I do like to challenge my brain that way but uh-huh. um and but I and I love the arrangement process I love playing with you know, when we're putting together a new song, uh-huh. um, how we want to do it. But I don't, I'm not good at the theory piece. I'm, I'm always sort of shaky on that. Yeah. So were you also struggling in music school then because of that? I don't remember. Yeah. I was that out. I was just like, I found the comedy people. Like I was like, let's, let's go like do bits and yeah, you know, I mean, literally like, did you start doing improv in college? Yeah. Yeah. Like right away. Okay. And found the funny, I mean, I was like, I, oh, oh, I found my people. Here yeah. we are. Here we are. Here we you are. You just knew it just clicked. Yeah. Like in theater school, like there's an appreciation for you know a fart noise like people are just like oh that's what you know how did you do that you know that's it's a little more um <laughs> it justifies the horse shit that i was doing uh-huh. a little bit more easily. yeah so so then okay so you were like music goodbye sorry parents sorry dream parents stashed. dream stash thanks yeah. for the money right and then you went sorry out for to- all the saturdays you had to drive me <laughs> exactly 
and, and then my, you went out to LA after that yeah then I went out to LA and I did the groundlings uh-huh. and um again sang a little bit like song improv just basic but again I thought it was over like yeah. I didn't really ever take it seriously at all right and did um you keep the violin with you yeah I had a couple of like spates spats space phases <laughs> whatever <laughs> um and then yeah, like I took guitar. Like SNL is so infantilizing because it's exactly like college. Mm. Like you're you're there. So it's Arrested Development that whole time. Yeah, like yeah. you're there fresh. You know, from from September through May, right, right. and then you have the summer off, and you can either like go on a personal project or uh-huh. like what do you do for your summer vacation? Like it's really like a very uh, childlike setting. Yeah, and in some ways, and so I took guitar actually a couple summers, which was really fun. In um, between seasons. In between seasons. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and that's actually when I I created this folk singer character though I did on um, a couple of the Lilith Fair tours that was on SNL. We wrote all these songs. He's like overly concerned PC songs, um, and because uh, I started playing guitar anyway. So it, it, you know there were there were. There were moments, of course, and then Celine Dion, and then the music teachers, and then Gemini's Twin, and Maya Rudolph is so unbelievably naturally musical. I mean, I've never met anybody that musical. It's amazing to me because she could be a massive music star if she wanted to. And she also, you know, her dad, Dick Rudolph, wrote Loving You, and he wrote, he's a major right, like right. music producer, and um, her ear for arrangement is so good it's Uh insane like again she's totally unconscious of it but we would be writing you know whatever horseshit stupid comedy songs which we wrote all the time Uh um and she could just like she understood just organically with no she never had any musical training like how the bridge should work and what you know the ascent and i mean she's just a really natural songwriter yeah interesting that's cool yeah so we we did stuff together yeah of course you never did like a comedy album right no Never did I think a comedy you should album. do that. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. Can Thanks. I put in a request? What would you want on the album? Uh, I don't just like like what Sandler did, but but your stuff. I think you would be naturally suited for it. Just like goof songs, goof songs. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully one day, like we sort of find our way into the middle of it. Yeah. 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 So. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a whole complicated story that would be for another podcast. It's not this music podcast, but. Why did you leave SNL in the simplest terms that you can put it in? <laughs> oh, I was done. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, it's uh, I, I, I as a human being, I'm, mm-hmm. I like to I, I'm a, I like to sow seeds in a lot of gardens. Yeah. yeah. And um, like, were you thinking about getting back into music when you left? Yeah, I, I well, you know, I'd done some music theater. So I'd done yeah. uh, the, the Rocky Horror Show on Broadway as a summertime, summer project, okay. <laughs> summertime spin, stint. Uh-huh. And um, I really loved it. You know, I think that um, this isn't about music per se, but in terms, Saturday Night Live is is all about pulling it off yeah. all the time. It's always, you know, it's Griffin. Like by the skin of your teeth. Yeah, it's kinda, all by yeah. the skin of your teeth. It's all lucky breaks. It's all like pulling it out on Wednesday and getting it not fucking up. Like it's sort of like the best that you've done is to not blow it. Right. And, and how many seasons were you there? Six. Yeah. And I think that I was like, I just was ready to kind of drill deep on something mm-hmm. and get better at it and yeah. refine myself. And it's interesting because it's like the opposite of why I left music school. I suddenly was like, I want to practice and vocalize. And I, I threw myself in. I, music theater in particular is the most disciplined in my experience of all. I mean, I've worked in film, television, 
I've even, you know, in, in straight plays and mm-hmm. musical theater. And those people are beyond disciplined. I've never seen anything like it. They're, I don't know how you would have the energy in between seasons to go do a show. That's it was really fun it was like intoxicating yeah and again i think the routine of it i find really soothing Mm -hmm. and um what i love about working in a regular way in a show particularly when it's up and running like that the the really brutal part about any musical theater is the development process and the previews where you're rehearsing during the day and doing shows at night it beats the shit out of your body yeah i've never experienced fatigue like that um but when you're when you're just when when you hop onto somebody's existing treadmill it Uh is exactly like the treadmill in fact it's like you go about your business in the day and then you think i'm too tired to do the show and then about 20 minutes in something just kicks in and you're like now i'm doing the show yeah it's so great to sing every day on that level and to sing you know again broadway musical theater singers are the best trained their ears are fantastic Uh they take care of their voices they're in great shape you know it's um the discipline is 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 staggering and you know of course i jump in feet first i played elphaba was my big first big thing i mean i did a lot of stuff before that i did concerts and i did you know out of town and in town because it takes a minute to prove to broadway people that you're not just dialing it in you know right um so was that the first thing you did after snl was to go do wicked no i did um I did a bunch of I did a straight a bunch of straight plays and I did um, a bunch of concerts. There's like these big all star concerts of the Funny Girl revival and uh, Hair. They revived, um, okay. and then I did Funny Girl Out of Town. And I, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I you know I I, I had to sort of um, uh, earn my stripes a little bit in the community. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to ask. I mean, did anyone in that community already know about this side of you or you were able to parlay your SNL creds into like, hey, give me a shot? People, you know, those people are all like Seth Rudetsky, my friend, um, who's like the sort of man about town of Broadway was the show disaster um, Uh that opened last night. He he worked at the Rosie O'Donnell show. He was the music director and um, and he wasn't the music director. He just wrote a lot of music things. John McDee was. So anyway, yeah. yeah, So he he but he was on actually back to the treadmill at the at the NBC gym like and he's got a career he's got perfect pitch and whatever and he was like oh my god you you your sound was so beautiful on that open sea at the top of Bobby and Martin like I never know what I'm singing <laughs> you know but he knew that he knew that the instrument was there and yeah, a lot of real life cool. real life music people knew that but I don't think you know they still wanted to see me for the lady in the funny hat because every musical has that role uh-huh. and I was really interested in trying to sort of expand beyond it and yeah. I, I knew I was a good fit for Alphaba just type wise uh-huh. and I knew that the role was she was kind of an outsider and she was funny and she was witty and they had actually seen me they had wanted to see me originally for the casting for Wicked when I was still on SNL so I mean I was I was starting wow. I was getting auditions and things as we were going so this was the first production of Wicked ever right yes but what I ended up doing uh-huh. so I but I that was my last season so yeah not a possibility right. so um what I ended up doing was going in when Adina Menzel left the show. Okay. So I went to, they auditioned three, I mean, they called back and they auditioned lots of people and then they ended up using her understudy as often happens. Shoshana Bean went in, uh-huh. her standby. And then, um, then they called me three months later and said, we're going to start a production in Chicago and we want you to play Elphaba. So, so it was amazing because it was like an original production and we had a proper rehearsal period and a, you know, it started, it was soup to nuts as opposed to, getting plunked into somebody else's yeah. track you know um was it scary 
Yeah, it's really as hard. It's as hard as SNL, but for theater. Like it's the right. hardest. It's, it's the hardest role to sing. Yeah, there's it makes no sense that for anyone to be singing it eight times a week. It's like a voice destroyer. But um, it really made me, you know, focus up, warm up, warm down. Uh-huh. I, I didn't drink coffee. I didn't drink alcohol. I didn't. I ate, you know, protein at certain times. It was like being an athlete. Yeah. You just have to be so careful. Totally. And I learned so much about my voice as a result. You uh-huh. know, and you, there's nothing that can substitute for that. Like I had a sinus infection. I can't hear anything, but I, I'm still singing the show. Like right. all of those moments. And then I left and I went and I did um, uh, the Three Penny Opera, which is Kurt Vile, mm-hmm. which is totally different types of music, type of music. And it's very legit. And then I went, then I did Wicked Broadway. So it was kind of amazing because I got this kind of sort of, um, rapid fire you know 10,000 hour up 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 to like yeah you know I was able to catch up uh-huh. so um and it was all in a row and and in the meanwhile I, I was working I did my my act before the one that I've done now and which I look back on I'm like oh my god it was so hokey and bad but <laughs> it was just kind of like figuring it out and uh-huh. I had sort of the bucket list of like a few people had actually approached me frankly to do kind of a vanity album or what have you cabaret and uh-huh. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do so I kind of you know, stumbled around with that and did it here and there and did it at Joe's Pub and did it in LA and whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and started to really hone in on what I actually wanted. So what happens, so in terms of now, mm-hmm. what happens when you work on Broadway is that people start calling you to sing publicly. Uh-huh. And so I would show up and I would, you know, me in a gown and a piano is like the weirdest fit and it's not <laughs> right at all. So it's like what did I... Did you try it? Yeah, I've done it a couple times and it's just awful. And and A, it's not me. Uh And B, it's like, there's, you know, they'll be like, well, do some humorous musical theater music, which is, again, a nightmare because you're doing like somebody else, you know, it's like acting funny and just awkward and it's a whole different animal. And it's not really me. Like, it's hard to say, explain, but I love music theater. I love portraying a role, Uh but I don't like doing it outside of musical theater. It feels phony and phony yeah um so as i've as i've developed my own act over the year i just keep going back to the music that i really love which is this sort of american songwriter novelty jazz i guess you would call it ridiculous jazz happy jazz um because i feel like it lives in a really authentic place for me Uh even though it's a bit of a boozy shtick it's um because of the humor and the lightheartedness and the wordplay and all of that and then also i just think jazz by nature it's improvisational you can play it's very collaborative it's interactive Uh which which i'm an ensemble performer um the most fun thing about music for me is connecting with other people and so the engagement of the band and everything that i do is really important are you involved with the arrangements yeah i am i mean you know i have to give huge credit to julian fleischer who i work with um because he's got great ideas Uh and uh and for sure you know is spearheading that but I'm there for every second of the conversation and we just fool around with something until we find a hook until Mm -hmm. we find what makes us laugh about it and and I I have to say it's like I I hope that the record it's not earnest and it's not um I think there's nothing more annoying than listening to somebody prove that they can sing and I would try to be very conscious of that as Uh I did it because the last you know, if I can sing, it's great, and what a what a wonderful accident. But to 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 set out to do that is unbecoming, and so I think. But you don't I, want to be too modest, you know. No, I you love good voice. I just don't want to like. I guess I guess it just doesn't take itself too seriously, yeah, and that's yeah. really important to me. Like every every piece of music, I tend to be attracted to. I mean, as I'm as I'm as I'm developing, I'm looking more at you know, 
really classic standard, you know, you know, I want to be around, but they tend to be like witty Uh in and of themselves, I guess. Yeah. Do you ever write songs? I have in the, you know, back in the day in the SNL of it all. And I would like to do it. We're talking about Christmas music and I have ideas for Christmas songs, of course. But, um, so how did this album come together? I'm hip. I'm hip came together exactly what I'm talking about. You know, that we, we continued to sit down and talk about songs that, um, it actually, the act to develop for the act, the act came first Uh and what, um, and really wanting it to feel closer to who I am and less, um, I don't know, less earnest, I mm-hmm. guess. Earnestness drives me nuts. It's all my favorite comedy, you know, is the NPR girls, all of that. Just <laughs> it's like Martha Stewart. Anyone anyone or anything that's taking itself too seriously tends to make me laugh. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but at the same time, to find something that was loose and fun and collaborative and easy and mm-hmm. just felt more close to who I am. And also, it is a little theatrical and it is, yeah. you know, it is about sort of throwing a party and having people join and have a good time. Right. So. Were you trying to find somebody who would make this album for you before you were like, I'm just going to do it myself? Well, like I said, a few people had approached me. Yeah. Um, you know, the conversation, the you know, was the last conversation about this record. Actually, somebody did approach me. And here's what happens usually now uh-huh. in the music. I mean, I'm, I'm not a professional necessarily. I don't consider myself like an expert on the music industry. But I'm sure this hasn't only happened to you. I so had, yeah, I had three producers call me up and say, hey, I want to produce your record. Um, based on your act, I love your act. So come, come, and we'll talk about it. And we uh-huh. would go talk about it. And I would say, okay, great. So how do we pay for this? And they'd say, well, you raise the money. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. And then Julian has amazing ears. I trust them inherently. He's uh-huh. produced four or five. He, this, he produced Kiki and Herb's records. I mean, he's 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 he knows music. He's yeah. produced his own records. And um, he was like, look, why don't I just produce it, and then you get to own it all, like you know you pay me for my studio time and I trusted him and I was like yeah why don't I just do that um I mean it's it's money it's more money initially out of your pocket and believe me at this point if somebody came along and said may I sell your record but I also (laughs) knew well your next one I'd be like yeah definitely yeah but the for the first one I just felt like the other thing is in this conversation which you're gracefully um circling you know (laughs) people saying wait are you a singer wait are you a singer it just makes life easier when you're like yeah yeah I have a record you know yep. and I knew um, certainly from a touring and booking standpoint it was a worthwhile investment because just having a record you know makes a difference it makes a huge for difference. sure so um, that applies to so many things like just not waiting for someone to come green light you but to just do it yeah even if it's not perfect because you're doing it yourself and you don't have all the resources you ideally would have yeah just to put something out there yeah so then maybe people will want to help you more the next time because they see you could do it for yourself you know I think that's really true yeah and I think it's really scary I think for years I put it off I mean like I said there was a producer who came to me my last season of SNL was like let's make a record and I stalled and fucked around and pretended and said oh what what would the show be and just like you know you can do that forever because what if it's wrong right but then I think I'd done my act so what if it's wrong I know it it is scary because it feels permanent but I was like Mm -hmm. but I film things all the time and I'm so comfortable with them being terrible (laughs) (laughs) like who cares you know so um that's I think what I'm the most proud of is I was very I was the opposite like when we were actually recording Uh uh-huh I was so, it was summertime. I would like ride my bike. We went out for drinks every night. Like it was like very easy and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I knew the music well. And I 
Where were you recording? You just rent a studio in the we city? We recorded, um, oh God, I'm on the spot now. Down, I can <laughs> tell you, it was downtown, it was on Wall Street. Uh-huh. And um, it, it was a... I mean, I just it wasn't in your apartment. No, it was for a example, legitimate yeah. music studio. <laughs> yeah. No, it was actually great because we were able to bring um, a really live feeling of, we didn't, we didn't um, overdub all the instruments. The only, uh-huh. the over, only overdubs we did were... Um, the horns. Okay. And then uh, at a certain, that was all one day just because it's cost effective. And then um, it was very collaborative, very, you know, we brought this amazing vibraphone player, Nick Mancini, in from LA and uh-huh. he has such great ideas. And we just, we wanted like a really late 50s, early 60s sound. We wanted to feel like we were in a room recording together, you know? Cool. And not going in and like auto tuning and Frankensteining something, you right. know? And that wasn't just for cost purposes, but it was also just for the sense of the the experience. So, right. Like you're playing cocktail party and everyone's just hanging out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it feels that way yeah. when you listen to it. Um, so now the promoting of it was also completely on your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. The I whole mean, thing. I, I have, I learned so much yeah. ab- about everything, you know, and, and I had to produce the, I produced the video. I, you know, it was really empowering in some ways because again, like I know amazing people, and talented people and they're willing to show up which is amazing you mm-hmm. know that, that that Yorma wanted to do it but that was like we did the whole video for 5k and we wow. were like we did it in a day and we were it was so intoxicating because it was like being back in college you know we were yeah. like like literally borrowing like I I I, I boosted a trombone from my kids school's music department like because I know the music teacher I was like can you get me a trombone it's like yeah meet me on the corner you know Clinton and whatever like so like handed me this trombone it's like you have to have it back by tomorrow because it's brass choir you know like so we were doing things like that like I you know I got my my neighbor's baby isn't it I literally called your arm I was like I got a baby like it's like everybody did stuff for free all my husband's friends from work came in all dressed up like they were at a party at 5 a.m. you know we just were we had a great time legit DIY legit DIY mm-hmm. and it looks fantastic and um yeah it was really 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 fun very cool yeah so um so that part's you know still happening obviously that's why right. I'm sitting here with you um but and the Kate yeah so I was gonna say so it's like yeah. a slow little like you know I've been doing live shows and um I've done a lot of live shows as a result um and these really nice people at the Kate in Connecticut called up and it's such a great little venue it's like this really hip little um i think it's a converted movie theater it's it's just got this tiny but super stylish vibe and um they really like lady singers and i mean the lineup was like super impressive i couldn't believe that they (laughs) so wait is this an ongoing series they have there and then they just filmed particular performances their series for PBS first? is my understanding that they do their yeah they they have a series uh-huh. live at the Kate that's, yeah. that goes out to their PBS affiliates and to their streaming service and right. um and Ricky Lee Jones is on this season and mm-hmm. Nancy Wilson and, no not Nancy Wilson uh Anne Hart Anne Hart Anne Hart let's say Nancy Wilson too <laughs> why not sounds good maybe eventually <laughs> and you're the first one you're the first, the first uh, one. performance. Yeah. 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 Shockingly. Kicking it off. Kicking it off. <laughs> oh, that's right. In my gold dress. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's, they, how did they describe it? Um, oh, as bold performers with something to say, like Catherine Hepburn, which is who it's named after. Correct. Yeah. 
So what, what do you have to say? How do you fall into that if you had to pitch yourself that way? I mean, I do think I approach an evening as not just a like musical experience. Like uh-huh. I, I think the whole package is important mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, I want people to have fun. I'm a hostess all the time in real life. I love having parties. I want people to feel like they've had a brain vacation Uh when they come to my show. So I want them to hear songs that engage them that are ridiculous and fun and make them laugh Mm -hmm. and, and just take them out of the sort of seriousness and incredible depression of life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if that's something strong to say, but it's where I stand on the world, you know? Um, and, and so it's needed. It is needed. And yeah. it's, and it's, it is throwbacky, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm me. So I'm going to talk about things that are current and relevant in my life. But, um, but I think it's about a kind of a connected, uh, live experience that, that, that's ridiculous and fun. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to drink. You can be sober and ha- you can have a mocktail. Uh-huh. And, but you know, like if you have that scent, I think that's what I like is sort of the umbrella in the drink of life. Yeah. You know? And, um, and you're good at that banter, which people can really bomb at. <laughs> I think it's not natural for a lot of performers. Yeah. You know, I think it's sort of unfortunately shoehorned onto them and that that's a really uncomfortable place and I feel bad for them. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, Celine Dion, like I, I watched her like read joke from, you know prompter <laughs> and 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 everybody does that a lot of people do that you know yeah. um but it's been really that's where i f- i'm very comfortable there mm-hmm. and uh, again it's it's a little it's 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 been very good for me to kind of settle in to um the the ease you know the the, the if you think about like sarah vaughn or like any of those like Dean Martin I mean you those performers were expected to have a wit about them and they they were they consider themselves entertainers Mm -hmm. and I think that's where it feels very throwbacky and it took me a long time to sort of put on a party dress and do that my management was always mad at me for not getting dressed up and stuff but I feel like it um it's what people it, it helps them understand and contextualize like this is an evening out and I'll tell you a couple jokes and even if you don't like them it's fine like we're just here to have a good time and yeah. you want to get up and have a drink that's fine you want to take a picture of me while we're doing this I'm not going to be mad at you you know like the, I have to I like that idea I mm-hmm. like that it's um, kind of a glorified anniversary party yeah. does that make sense? yeah no it does and I think then in the audience you feel like that performer is present and not just going through the motions you know that's a way of like checking in and connecting with the yeah. audience that I think is very much appreciated on their end. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the worst feeling for me. And I know it's hard. It's hard for performers and maybe it puts some um, unnecessary pressure on them to engage the audience in that way when maybe their job is just to play their music. But I know it can be frustrating if you feel like they just show up and they go through the set list and they're off because you, you want to feel like I don't know. Like that night is special for them. Like it is yeah, for you or and something. We were, like I know. sharing something, you know. Totally. And yeah. I do, I mean, not to be too like Pollyanna about the whole thing, but it's funny. We went to this very hip 
uh, show at the McKittrick Hotel is like very hip friend of ours as music manager and uh-huh. very hip to really hip bands that are super in right now uh-huh. and I was laughing so hard with my husband because they came on stage exactly as you described uh-huh. no fanfare no announcement and just like started jamming and you know <laughs> and looked down the entire time never addressed the audience just played and they're like yeah no he's notoriously shy and it's like all this mystique and I was laughing because I was like I literally couldn't be more different than this I'm so <laughs> much needier I am so much sweatier I want people to like me I yeah. want to like them like there's this engagement that is so different like they're right. like I want a big fat announcement and some applause when I come out <laughs> you know and, and I'm okay with that like I've sort of reached this age where the same thing is true like you meet these people that are like you know all the time in my business like uh-huh. I don't own a TV you know this person and my husband is so great because we finally was like oh why TV's so fun. We watch it <laughs> yeah. all the time. You don't get bonus There's points so for that. There's so many good shows that you're missing. Like, don't justify it. Like, that. So I'm sort of at this point. Like, like I don't know what that word means. What does that word mean? You know, like, yeah, I, yeah. You know, like it's easier just to sort of be out in front of it rather totally. than feel like the jackass that I am. <laughs> <laughs> so are you regularly playing? Yeah. So I, I've been. Or? What I was going to say. Yeah. Um, I'm meandering. I apologize. But no, 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 it's fine. Um, what I was, I'm actually playing this Saturday, but uh, at Pace University. But um, yes, I've been out with the record because uh-huh. um, again, Cart Horse got all confused <laughs> by my producing myself. But I, I, I signed with a very um, a, a wonderful booking agent cool. after the record came out. So okay. we've been basically out and about with the record for the last year uh-huh. and a half. Um, and what I do love, again, I think you can get so isolated in your cool problem with LA and New York, mm-hmm. and. Um, I love, I mean, we, this month I was in Memphis and Tallahassee and, um, you know, uh, Baton Rouge and I mean, we've been everywhere, Detroit, Uh Kansas, uh, Iowa, and audiences are so, each time I go with this, like, not a snob attitude, but I'm always like, oh, well, here's what, this is where they're going to hate me, you know, each (laughs) Let's see how this goes badly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And um, are you playing jazz clubs or what kind of? I'm venues? playing like small um, PACs, I guess is what you would call them, and some jazz clubs. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and again, I would I would love to be playing more and more jazz clubs, but you know that I to get booked into these series, like you end up playing these more of a formal theatery kind of a vibe, which again whatever but some of them are more supper clubby uh-huh. and some of them are like you know we're trying something new yeah um usually like an adjunct to a bigger pac they'll have like a smaller more intimate you know large st- cabaret style venue i guess you'd call it uh-huh. where people can drink i like people to drink is the important yeah. um, message here um but yeah i mean the main thing is that you you uh yeah so it's I forgot what I was saying but it's ended up being very um, illuminating and really fun like you said like to connect with audiences Uh in cool places you know yeah do you find a lot of people are coming out because they know you from SNL they do come out and then they're like pleasantly surprised well that's the that's actually the win Uh yes I do find that of course I mean that's also where this music luckily protects me somewhat Mm -hmm. um and it used to drive Julian crazy, but I'd be like, I've got, we have to address the comedy. Like they just expect it. Yeah. And if, if it's not funny out of the gate, they're going to be really sad. <laughs> and and it's all a lie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I still think, you know, we, we have to market it really carefully. So people don't think like Anna Gasteyer and her funny wig show. Right. You variety know? show kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even still, in fact, the last one, the last venue I did, the, in fact, the sign said the Anna Gasteyer variety show. And I had a heart really? attack. Cause I was like, Oh my God, they're going to think like I'm going to tap. I don't know what they're going to yeah. think, but they, they it was one of my, 
my best crowd. So it just goes oh, to show okay. you like, and again, it just has to do with the demographic, but, um, and yeah. I usually hit it on head first, you know, like I went to music school. <laughs> this is why I'm here. Totally. Need you to know ahead of it, you know, if, in case you're concerned, <laughs> but they, I think they are pleasantly surprised yeah. because again, a lot of the music lives in the fun totally. place. And so it's not like a horrible evening of watching somebody sing, I don't know, <laughs> you know, Porgy and Bess or something that you're like, what? happened yet um, <laughs> yet yet no literally I had a musical director I remember when we were working on it like thinking towards this act he was like you should do an evening of Kurt Vile and I there, I had a moment that's actually when I was like no I'm never going to perform <laughs> musical theater it's not going to happen I mean Kurt Vile's like classical but, yeah you know it's like yeah I think on your episode of the Kate you say like there are two on a gas tires but it sounds like they're not so separate in like this that. in this album and in this in this incarnation they're not so separate they yeah. feel like they live in the middle of me which yeah. is it feels very true to myself in That's a really great. fun satisfying way and i didn't really know that going into it yeah i knew certain things like when we every time i picked a song for the first you know two years of developing this act the question always you know when you're writing a screenplay or whatever you you have like one word and you keep going back to that word it's a very helpful tool uh-huh. like on a like a little flashcard and my flashcard was um honestly humor which is a gross word which i hate but like does the song resonate in in any way to not take itself too seriously does it have a sense of humor about itself so no matter what that is you know um just to give people an understanding what you're talking about can you just mention like one song that's emblematic of that that yeah um well i mean my opening song which i have been trying to replace for three years because I sing it so much, but I love it. The song one mint julep, Mm -hmm. you know, which is this old Ray Charles song. And it's, um, it's really just a tale of a woman who accidentally got too drunk and ended up with a family, you know, like ended up having to marry this guy because she just like went for one mint julep and uh, now look at her. And so it has like this kind of irreverent whoops quality to it. It's fun. It's up tempo. It's jazzy, you know, um, it's you know we're listening we were inspired with this Quincy Jones arrangement which is just insane but you know um it's got lots of horns and yeah. it's big and it's brassy and sassy and you know <laughs> um so so certainly like that but then like the, I do the you know in terms of ballads like mm-hmm. the book of love which is this magnetic field song which is beautiful that's a gorgeous cover that you do of that song by the way I had completely forgotten that that song existed wow thank and you and I heard it this week and I was like oh my god and then I was like wait what version of this do I remember and I was going back through and I mean, not just trying to flatter you. Your version is my favorite version. That's so nice. So check it out, guys. Yeah, no, it's gorgeous. Thank you. Well, that song, again, has like a, um, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. Like it's a song you would want at your wedding. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it does not take itself too seriously. It doesn't take yeah. love too seriously. Yeah. It asks some pretty funny questions about love. It's very simple, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing, like, we do a cover of the Valley of the Dolls theme, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, like you think like can't be gay, you know, <laughs> anthem. Yeah. Um, and obviously I have a very large um, gay demographic in terms of who I perform for a lot. Uh-huh. And but at the same time, the song is insanely beautiful. And Dory Previn is a genius. I actually just bought two vinyls uh, of Dory Previn for my daughter yesterday. Uh-huh. And I, cause I was, I was going to this disaster opening. So I was looking for old seventies covers. I bought Barry Manilow live for my friend who's in the show. Right. Uh-huh. And, um, I, and there was, there were two Dory Previn albums there. And I just picked them up and my daughter, like all retro 13 year olds has asked for, she got a turntable for Christmas. So naturally, naturally. So, 
it was so funny because she texted me in the middle of the night. She's like, did you mean these to leave these for me? These are amazing. Like, she's <laughs> such a clever songwriter. That's cool. And she's so smart and she's such a feminist and so ahead of her time. Uh-huh. And she's sort of like a Kristen Wiig character in a, in appearance, but such a genius. <laughs> like, genius. So, yeah. you know, so it's kind of cool. Like, so she had a great wit about her you yeah. know um, and strength right so as much as you're like haha like listen to the valley of the dolls song like it's also sort of brilliant and funny all yeah at the same time well that's that middle that you're describing it's like finding the beauty in the comedy or vice versa yeah. finding the funny stuff in the pretty songs yeah but i yeah. could never i always had to say to myself like is this earnest and if it is it doesn't make the list yeah this doesn't make the cut axed yep yeah we did we cut lots of things over the way yeah and we have lots of fun things that like there's a song called the doodlin song which rosemary Clooney, a bunch of people recorded it, it's I'm, they've done it in commercials it's a really silly cy coleman whatever and i we did we actually laid down the track for it and i have been trying desperately for five years to find the hook on this song like what is the thing that is going to make me love this like do i just like regale people with my story of my you know i don't know hpv warts <laughs> like against this do, do, do. i don't know like what is the story <laughs> like or is it or is that a little on the nose uh-huh, uh-huh. so to speak mm-hmm. um yeah so there's lots of fun, but again that was such a fun happy song like yeah. all i want to know is like or do i have somebody like drop a beat like at one point i was like do i hire a rapper oh like God. you know what i mean like what is it against the but it's like song? a challenge that you want to figure out it's a nut I have to crack. Yeah, yeah. And it also has that old radio show feeling too. That song of uh-huh. like, oh, look who's coming in. Yeah. Well, hello, Maya Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> like, yeah. So maybe for the next album. Maybe for the next album. Yeah. yeah we're, is there one in the works? There's like three, and right. I again have to come up with a, a year of college tuition for one of my children to pull it out. But um, the first is the um, the first and most relevant is that I, we're definitely talking Christmas um, cool. again. I think this style lends itself, you know, to drunkards at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, um, and I did. Uh, I actually we worked we worked a bunch of charts up um, that are ridiculous. And and Christmas music is kind of a gimme in terms of funny and right. Um, so I'm guessing less like little drummer boy and more. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Yeah, again, this is like always the challenge, right? Do yeah. you want comedy Christmas songs right. or do you want like your, you know, there's there's some crazy versions of like Jingle Bells out there. Mm-hmm. Or there's there's a song called Jingling by the Andrew Sisters, which I'm jing, jingling, jingling, jingling. Ha ha, ho ho, Christmas time is here. Like, right. Jing, jingling, 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 jing, 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 jing. Thank you for laughing. Um, That's awesome. So the lyrics don't have to be funny. I think it just it's has just to be joyful fun. and outrage. I mean, like, and again, Ted Firth, who pl- I play with a lot and uh-huh. also has worked a lot on these arrangements. Um, we did six for a show that I did le- deliberately at Christmas time to try to put them in front of an audience and see how they felt. Uh, one is a multi octave version of The Grinch, which I, everybody loves that song. Yeah. Um, and I haven't heard a lot of girls sing it, so True. it's like one of those. But yeah, I mean, cool. it's a little, again, you have to see, like, make sure. Sh- anyway, songs are interesting. But, um, and then, uh, um, you know the 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 trick with some oddly enough a lot of the christmas music we regularly listen to is not that good from a songwriting standpoint it's uh-huh. boring uh-huh. yeah <laughs> so it's about finding songs that are actually tuneful and unique and mm-hmm. um not just familiar and then kind of finding the line in between that because definitely on a christmas record you want songs that you know 
too. Yes. Because it's Christmas. You know? Right. So it's like finding that. Yeah. All right. Um, so 2016, the year of a potential Christmas album. I would really, I'm really hoping that that happens this year. And then after that, um, it, we were just literally exchanging texts as I walked in, uh-huh. um, just working up new material and, and, and baking it into the tour dates so that I can see if things work. I am getting accidentally more serious just because I tend to love songs Uh and so then I and I'm not so anxious about proving everything to everyone all the time anymore so there are God for that (laughs) that must feel good it does I mean I mean it's unconscious but yeah so um there are songs um that I'm developing that are a little more uh uh in the realm of just good songs you know we've we've we're working on a version of Satan's Little Lamb I mean you know just some great jazz standards that are, are are great to sing and perform so Um, is the acting taking a back seat right now to the music no luckily i've been um i'm working in television a lot so um not not in any ways that apparently anyone knows about but i (laughs) i I have a series i'm uh, asking so you can tell us oh thank you so much (laughs) uh no i have a role on this really fantastic netflix series called lady dynamite that Mm um do you know the comic maria bamford Mm mm-hmm <clears throat> that she's genius. she's she, yeah she's a genius and she's created about her own experience with um, her bipolar diagnosis and um, it's uh, one of the, it's possibly the most fun thing I've, I've ever worked on and which is saying something and yeah. that that premieres or drops on Netflix for your <laughs> binging pleasure uh-huh. um, May twentieth so that all comes out so we did that Amazing. all last summer and I played the biggest cunt agent yes. in the world yes her agent such an asshole yeah it's the most oh fun i've ever had and i it's there's no other way to describe this woman as the meanest woman on the planet <laughs> it's so fun yeah um awesome <clears throat> yeah it's really fun and then uh i'm doing a series for tbs this this year as well called people of earth that has been picked up to series but we haven't shot yet so we okay. shot the pilot but we haven't it's about um survivors of alien abduction okay it's a half hour comedy <laughs> naturally <laughs> naturally um so Damn, that so will you're be busy you got stuff going on yeah, yeah. so it's i, I want to pocket in this the music is you know keeps i i'm so grateful just grateful that people want to come out and hear it grateful that i get to tour yeah. you know grateful um that sounds bullshitty but it, it's it, i feel like it's okay I, to be it, earnest sometimes you know yeah i mean it's just it's i'm lucky because i feel like that live thing keeps you growing all the time yeah and challenges you and it's terrifying i mean there's as much as glib and as comfortable as i am like it's the thing you were talking about about getting up and doing it every time i do a live show i'm like oh here we go like it's all me and it's all me like getting the band on the phone and getting them to show up and rehearsing and you have to be like a grown-up you know and um and then deliver you Mm -hmm. know and it's impossible for me anyway to phone in a live show like i don't know that's just impossible you just feel so shitty afterwards i think because you know it i don't think it's possible in this capacity like maybe if i were a big recording artist and that's where i was most comfortable was Mm -hmm. in the studio Mm -hmm. but i think for me it's audience first you know yeah that's a nice policy yeah 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 all right so your episode of the kate will be available for streaming on march 19th march 19th and then i believe it also shows on your local pbs station as well so streaming the kate dot tv you'll be able to watch each episode weekly or if you're a pbs person tune in to your local pbs channel and there she will be pbs it's not just for old people exactly (laughs) (laughs) neither is npr no it's not but we're reclaiming all of them. 
NPR feels a little less Geritol commercial-ish. It is, especially now that they've really uh, grasped onto the podcasting thing. Yeah. I think that has expanded their world. Yeah, they seem to be ahead of that. Yeah. PBS is still a little bit stuck in the, um, you know, live from the pops. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that this show is streaming simultaneously is pretty cool. It's super cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm really psyched that they let me do it. And, um, and, and uh, yeah, and I hope that uh, your listeners will come to a theater near them to see me. There you go. Check her out, guys. All right, Anna, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. New England's handsomest performer, the mistress of Moxie, and 29-time crossword puzzle clue, Anna Gestire! Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 